Hello, my name is Donnie Smith, and I'm the pastor here at Ascension Christian Center in Apopka, Florida. I hope this message changes, impacts, and challenges you in your relationship with Jesus Christ. If you enjoy the message, you can connect with us on our website, Facebook, or Instagram at Ascension Christian Center. Thank you, and enjoy. Happy Mother's Day to all the amazing moms, and for those who haven't had the greatest experience with a mom, my heart goes out to you as well, but just know that um, I was thinking about this this morning, that no matter if you've had a great mom who's prayed you into the kingdom of God or you've not had a mom, but that has inspired you to be here this morning because you have been searching for love. And so no matter if you haven't had a mom or you have had one, it's all contributed to something good and it's caused you to end up here this morning. Amen? Amen. Does that make sense? Um, I have, I'm excited about the word of the Lord this morning, um, but before I, I really dig into it, I want to kind of lay out some foundational uh, things. Um, when I think about God, um, I don't think about motherhood. <laughs> I mean, when you think about the word God, you think about masculinity. After all, that word almighty God speaks of his, not only his sovereignty, but it speaks of his power, his, his strength, right? It speaks of fatherhood. You don't really get that word, you know, that mothering, nurturing love, at least no indicators there in that word uh, God, amen? I was thinking about all these different names that, that God has, and, and I just want to read a few to kind of prove a point here about how that word God speaks of masculinity, amen? And, and there's, a, there's a word that we are very familiar with, and it's that word Jehovah, which means Lord. There's Jehovah Jireh, which means the Lord, my provider, and there's Jehovah Rapha, which means the Lord who heals, Jehovah Nisi, which means the Lord my banner or the Lord my victory. Jehovah Mekadesh, which means the Lord who sanctifies. Jehovah Titskanu, say that three times fast. That means the Lord our righteous one. Jehovah Ra, which means the Lord my shepherd. Jehovah Shama, the Lord is there or he is present all the time. Jehovah Sabbath. The Lord of hosts, Jehovah Nisi, the Lord of victory. Stay with me. El Elyon, the Lord most high. Adonai, the Lord and master. Elohim, God. Elo Elyon, the everlasting God. And there's also a name that's not described in any of those names, but those names give reference of a very strong, sovereign God, somebody who represents power, that gives the indication that he's not weak, nor is there type of any type of motherhood or any type of nurturing in his nature. But as I begin to read, I found out that there's another word that we love and that we quote all the time. It's found in the Bible, and there's that word that means Abba. It's an, a term of endearment, which means Papa or Father. But as I begin to read even further, I was trying to dissect on how many names God really has, and it's, and it's really, really endless because God is endless. As a matter of fact, when uh, God spoke to Moses and, and, and he told Moses, I want you to go and deliver the children of Israel. I want you to tell them my name. Moses says, God, who do I say that sent me? And he said, I am. And now I'm realizing more and more why God um, describes himself as I am. In other words, God, he didn't want to limit himself to one name because he is whatever you need him to be when you need him to be that very thing. The Bible even references 
introduces him to be the many-breasted one, which gives an indication of a female uh, organ on the body, right? That means while he's feeding you peace, he can be touching someone else's financial situation over here. God can be many things at one time, all the time. Amen? So he's what you need him to be when you need him to be it. That's why he's called the great I am. I read a little bit further and I found out that God also has a name that gives reference to some femininity. And that word is called the Rose of Sharon. Now, I don't know about you, Uncle Mike. My Uncle Mike is more militant-like and he is certainly a man's man. But if another man or even woman references me, Donnie Smith, as a Rose of Sharon, I'm probably gonna get offended. Amen. Any man's man who's called a female name, after all, the rose of Sharon is a flower. It looks like a rose. It's red. It blooms. But it's also, uh, it gives the connotation that it is uh, a lily in the valley. So God is simply saying, I'm not just all powerful. I'm not just almighty. I'm just not all these masculine words that the word of God describes me. There is a much softer and lighter side to my character that not everybody talks about. As a matter of fact, in Deuteronomy chapter 32 and verse 11, I want you to turn your attention to the screen. God gives his, uh, when, he, when, he talk, when he says these things in the scripture, he's describing himself as a female, uh, as an animal uh, who's a female who takes care of his young like a mother would. Now, we all know that God is a father, but there's also a side and a part of God who nurtures his people like a mother would nurture her children. It says this in Deuteronomy 32, 11. In the New King James Version, it reads, as an eagle or a mother eagle stirs up the nest, hovers over its young, there's the mother connotation, it spreads its wings out, taking them up, carrying them up on wings. Matthew 23, 37 says this in the New King James Version. O Jerusalem, O Jerusalem, the one who kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to her. How often I wanted to gather your children together as a hen, as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings, but you were not willing. God describing himself and giving little connotations that he has a mothering nature to him, although God is God the Father. Everybody say, God is a father, but he has a mothering nature. In Hosea 13, it says this. I'm almost done. In Hosea 13, verse 8, it says, I will meet them like a bear deprived of her cubs. I will tear open their rib cage, and there, there I will devour them like a lion, the wild beast shall tear them. God has mother bear issues. So uh, the reason I read all these things is because when we think about God, we think about him as Abba. We think about him as father. We think about him as an all-powerful God. But little do we hear teachings on how God has a nurturing heart, the heart of a mother who takes care of his children. And that's why I want to minister from this subject entitled... God's a mom too. God is a mom too. I want you to look at somebody and say, God is a mom too. 
We've always known him as father, and he indeed is a father. But there are times and seasons in our lives when we go through specific things, when we don't necessarily need the iron fist or the firm voice of a father. We need the loving arms of a nurturing mother to love us through our issues and to love us through our problems. And God is a nurturer and a mother at heart. After all, God created Adam and then extracted the rib from Adam and breathed into it and created Eve. So God is not, maybe he's not a mother when it comes to gender, but at heart, he is a nurturing mother. Everybody say, God is a nurturing mother. And there are five different attributes that I want to highlight as I've studied over the weekend that, again, give these connotation that God is a nurturing mother. Number one, God is caring like a mother is. God is caring. Everybody say, God is caring. Psalms 27, verse 10. I want you to turn there with me. Um, And if you don't have your Bible, simply pull out your phone. I want you to journey through the scriptures with me. Go to Psalms 27, verse 10. It's about midway through the Bible. Psalms of David. Psalms 27. Write them down for your references if you don't make it to it. it And it says this. It says, when my father and my mother forsake me, then the Lord will take care of me. Point number one is God is caring. Our earthly parents have limited earthly capacities to love, but God's love is limitless. God has the ability to love you even when you're unlovable. Your parents may not act like they loved you when you were in your teens, but God never stopped loving you. People's love is conditional, but God's love is unconditional. And he is not only a big, great father who protects you, but he is a loving father who cares for you and cares about the problems that you face each and every day. He cares about what your heart feels like when you've gone through a broken relationship. He cares what that man feels like who lost his job last month. He cares about us. Amen? And there are times in our lives when we will go through seasons where things are really, really difficult and really hard and God seems silent and doesn't seem like he's speaking and sometimes people think that that's because God is displeased with them. But I want to I want to open my life to you, and, and I want to let you know I went through this season of tremendous pain. Now it was like David said. He said it wasn't the guy who offended me or hurt me that was my enemy. This guy ate bread with me. This guy went to the house of the Lord with me. This is David talking about one of the greatest betrayals that he had inside the church. And after walking with the Lord many, many years, it won't be just those who are outside in the world that hurt you, but you often find that you get hurt inside the church. And there was a season of my life that I went through when some men of God, and I'm not talking about congregants who sat on the front row, I'm talking about men of God who wore clergy collars and professed the Lord and preached to people and who supposedly loved and cared for me and who were walking, you know, who had my back and walking with me through life and uh, training me and helping me. And there was a season where these people turned their back completely on me. The people that I thought had my best interest at heart turned their back on me. And I, I begged God, God, tell me what's going on here. Why would these people who call your name, you know, who, who, who declare you as Lord over their lives, these people who preach the word of God, why would they hurt me so deeply? And God said, absolutely 
nothing. Until years later, when I wasn't even thinking about it anymore, I felt the Holy Spirit whisper to me, you know it hurt me too. There are times and seasons of your life when God says absolutely nothing, not because he doesn't care, but because he cares deeply, and it wounds God. When you go through, thing, go through things and you go through troubles, it wounds God just as much as it wounds you. As a matter of fact, many times it hurts God more than it hurts you, and his silence is not an indication that he's not there. Sometimes his silence, when you're going through difficult things and bad things have happened to you, he's silent because he's hurt as well as you are, because he cares deeply for you. I want you to look at somebody and say, he cares deeply for you. As a matter of fact, you know, the spirit of God counts every single tear that you cry. He counts every single difficulty that you go through. The Bible says that in the end times, God will pour out those tears upon you as a blessing. He cares for you. In Hebrews 4 verse 15 it says this, for we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but it was in all points tempted as we are yet without sin. He's talking about Jesus. Now let us come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace and help in time of need. You know, I often wondered why it seemed like there was two different gods of the Bible, Matt. Have you ever thought about this? This God of the Old Testament is dramatically different from this Jesus that we experience in the New Testament. God in the Old Testament, Genesis and on, you've got a God that would slaughter people for being disobedient. I mean by the thousands of them. If you were disobedient, God would call fire down on you. Think about Sodom and Gomorrah. Think about the people that God disciplined harshly. Even killed many cities because people would turn their back on him and would not obey his laws nor live up to his standard. But after Jesus, a Jesus, a God who came to establish a kingdom of love, you see something completely different. You see someone who is establishing the kingdom, loving the unlovable, visiting the prostitute and loving them, telling sinners and tax collectors that their salvation was near. I thought something happened between this Old Testament and this New Testament. And finally, the light bulb came on. Is that when God was spirit, he could not sympathize with your weakness because he wasn't ever a human being. But when he, when he walked in flesh and blood and put on fleshly in the form of a man, when he put on flesh and became Jesus, he finally found out what it was like to really feel angry and to feel betrayed. He finally knew what it was like to feel rejected at times. He finally felt what it was like when people would turn their back on him. Even as he was hanging on the cross, he was rejected by men, the Bible says. So finally, Jesus, God, comes into the flesh, and now he can sympathize with your weakness because he knows the very feelings that you're going through. He has been touched with the feelings of your infirmity, the Bible says. And so the God of the Old Testament looks very different than the God of the New Testament because now God knows exactly what you're going through. He knows exactly how you feel. And that's why he pleads on your behalf to God the Father because before Jesus came, he didn't know what it was like to struggle like that. He was spirit. He couldn't understand why people couldn't obey him. So he would kill them. But after Jesus came to this earth, he finally knew what it was like to feel the temptations and the stress of life and the burdens that life puts on us. And so now he has sympathy for you and I. Amen? Point number two. God is a nurturer. God is a nurturer. Say God is a nurturer. In Hosea chapter 11 
verse three, it says this. I taught Ephraim to walk, taking them by their arms. It's describing a mother's touch. But they did not know that I healed them. I drew them with gentle cords and with bands of love, and I was to them as those who take the yoke from their neck. And I stooped and I fed them. I looked up that word nurture, and it simply means to care for the growth or development of. It means to encourage the growth or development of. The Lord takes personal responsibility. When you make him the Lord of your life, if you have, first of all, let me talk to that person who hasn't had that nurturing mother in your life. Do you know God takes personal responsibility to lead you by the hand in your life, to love you and care for you like no human being ever could? He takes personal responsibility. He, listen, when you were born and you were conceived in your mother's womb, God already planned at the end what you would be in the very beginning. Before you had breath in your chest and air in your lungs, God had a specific plan for you, a design for you, an intent for you, an expected end. And so if he had a design and a purpose for you, God takes personal responsibility to nurture your life and to grow you up in the ways of the Lord so that you can reach your destination. God is a nurturer. Amen? I I wasn't going to say this, but... A few years back, my Aunt Diane, who sits in the front row here, bought me a picture. When you go in my office, you don't see it, but it's hidden. It's hidden where I can only see it. I look at it every single day, and before I come out and I preach a message, I look at it every day. The only day that I don't look at it is on Saturdays when I'm not here and spending time with family, or I may be preparing a message or what have you. And it's a picture of Jesus with this huge smile on his face. I mean, just a happy smile. And then there's about a seven or eight-year-old boy who's holding his hand, and he's looking at Jesus. And they're walking through this field together. And the reason I look at that is to remind me my desperate need for him to nurture me. Because what I'm going through in this season of life, I may not need that same type of nurturing for my next phase of life. I don't know about you, but I need God to be with me and nurture me through every season of life. I needed him to nurture me as a young teen. I needed him to um, nurture and mature me as a young adult. Now I need him to, to nurture me and love me and walk me through every season of life as I am a father, as I'm a business owner, as now a pastor. And we all need God's nurturing hand to walk us through the fields of life and love us and to grow us so that we could end at a specific destination that he has for us, but we need his nurturing. We don't always need that loving, correcting voice of a father. There are times and seasons in our life when we need the voice of a loving mother, and that's God's heart. He's not, he's not physically a female, but at heart, he is a loving mother who cares for his people. Amen? My prayers look different than they used to. Now I'm like, Lord, help me become the business owner that you've called me to be. Help me to become the father that you've called me to be. Nurture me to be that example to my children, Lord. Lord, help me to manage my company in this church in a way that honors you. Nurture me, Lord, and shepherd me in a way that would honor your name and bless your people. God is a nurturer. Say, God's a nurturer. Is everybody getting something out of this? Number three, he comforts. 
He comforts. Say, he comforts. Isaiah 66, verse 13 says this. As one whom his mother comforts. Again, he's given the connotation that he's motherly in nature. As one whom his mother comforts, so I will comfort you and you shall be comforted in Jerusalem. There are seasons in our lives where we'll go through things, trials, tribulations, heartache, pain, loss, maybe even a divorce, maybe even a loss of a job, money, whatever it might be, a broken relationship. And we will need the comforting arms of God the Father through his nurturing nature to comfort us. I want to share something very personal. Is it okay if I talk about Wyatt? I haven't asked my wife this, but I feel led to share this. There was a time and a season in our lives, me and my wife, about two and a half years ago, where we, need, we needed not a scripture. Can I be unspiritual for just a moment? We didn't need a scripture. Another sermon wouldn't have helped. I've listened to thousands of hours of sermons. I didn't need a phone call from a friend but I needed the comforting arms of God the Father and his mothering nature to come alongside me and love me through a season of loss that we experienced. We were expecting a baby and about you know just a couple months in, uh, my wife looked about six months pregnant and um, she was going through a lot of pain, a lot of issues and... Um, it's one thing, and there are many women in here who have lost a baby or who have miscarried, not to diminish that because that's a, a, a deep pain that I would never wish upon anyone, but ours was even less natural than that. My wife had developed what was called a fibroid. Uh, fibroids are uh, pieces of muscle tissue that uh, can grow really, really large, and this fibroid began to take all the nutrients from this baby that we were expecting. And so all of the nutrients, all the blood vessels, everything that would go to the baby, this fibroid was absorbing instead of the baby absorbing it. And so by the time this fibroid had developed into its full state, it was as big as a cantaloupe. And my wife was in excruciating pain. And uh, we go to the hospital, and I have never revealed this publicly, the Lord had spoke to me because I really needed the Lord to comfort me and to give me a word and assurance that he knew exactly what was going on. After all, I'm a man of God. Why should a man of God go through such pain and watch his wife go through such turmoil? And so as I walk into this hospital room, we were having complications. It was really late at night and I rushed my wife to the hospital. And the first thing I see when they open the door is Jesus holding an infant. And the Lord spoke to me in that very moment. And though I felt great, deep pain, I felt the comforting arms of God wrap around me and comfort me. And through that comfort, I was able to comfort my wife. But there will be seasons in your life that you, can, you will go through. It's not if you go through tough seasons. We live in a fallen world. You will go through seasons of your life where life will hit you 
Like when you watch those movies and everything is good and their jazz music is playing on the radio and it's raining and all of a sudden a semi comes from nowhere and T-bones you. Life will T-bone you. And it's in those moments when you don't necessarily need a sermon or you don't necessarily need a scripture to hold on to. All those, those, those things are great. But there are seasons of your life where you will need the actual presence of God to wrap his arms around you and comfort you. Amen. As a matter of fact, there is a scripture that, uh, that, that, that describes the Holy Spirit with a big C, and that C is the word comforter. It says it right here in John 16. The, the scripture won't be up on the screen, but you can write it down for your own reference, for your own study time. And it says this, nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is expedient for you that I go away. This is Jesus talking. For if I do not go away, the comforter, big C, meaning that's God, that's a person, the comforter will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. There are times in your life when you will need the comforting presence of God the Father through the nurturing arms of a mother to wrap around you and love you and comfort you through your darkest hour. And I feel like someone needs to know this this morning is that God knows exactly what you're going through. Your mother may not understand it. Your friends may not understand it, but God is well acquainted. I feel it so strongly. He is well acquainted whatever, with whatever mountain you're facing, whatever that thing is that keeps you up late at night. Whatever that thing is that keeps you burying your face in Facebook to get away from the sting of silence, whatever that thing is that's bothering you in this season of your life, God knows and he wants to comfort you. Amen? There's a beautiful scripture, and I know I'm reading a lot of scripture this morning, but there's a beautiful scripture that I love, and it's found in Psalms 34, and it says this, Psalms 34, verse 18, the Lord is near to those who have a broken heart and saves such who have a contrite spirit. There are gonna be times, people, when you go through life when chocolate will not ease the pain nor bowls of ice cream, but you will need the comforting presence of the Lord. Amen? Point number four, are you with me? I love this. He inspires us. God is your greatest cheerleader. And even if you don't have a mom in your life, or maybe she's there and maybe is less perfect than what a mother should be, God is your encourager and he is your inspirer. Amen? I know that there's, well, there's a scripture. Let me read that first before I go into that. In 2 Thessalonians, uh, verse, uh, I'm sorry, chapter two, verse 16 through, through 17, it's in the Passions translation, and it says this, now may the Lord Jesus Christ, our Father, who loved us and his, and his wonderful grace gave us eternal comfort and the beautiful hope that cannot fail. Now watch this. May it encourage your hearts and inspire you with strength to always do and speak what is good and beautiful in his eyes. God is your biggest cheerleader. There have been times and seasons in my life when I have felt at my lowest point, but yet I could feel and sense God cheering me on. Amen? Now, I know maybe if you were a cheerleader, I'm not sure what you did in school, or if you were, uh, um, you know, you played football or you played basketball or baseball, and your mother or your dad or your family came to those games and cheered you on. Now, I know they really yell and they get loud at those games, but let me tell you something. God is your biggest and greatest cheerleader. Amen? 
Thanks so much for joining us. We hope this message impacted you today. If you'd like to support Ascension Christian Center, simply go to ascensionchristiancenter.com and click the gift tab or text ACCFL to 77977. Interested in hearing more? Check back weekly for new messages. Have a great day.